mind. Psalm 131 tonight, and uh, we'll look at this psalm of degrees and uh, try to be a blessing to you. Psalm 131, a song of degrees of David. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even uh, as a weaned child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for this particular portion you've directed our heart to in study and prayer this week. And I pray, God, that you would use it uh, to speak to our hearts and challenge our hearts from the Word of God tonight. And what you do, we'll thank you and give you glory for it. Lord, I want to echo uh, the testimonies of this congregation tonight. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. But, Lord, thank you for you. Lord, this, we would not know one another. We would not have a church. We would not have a Bible. We would not have a family if it wasn't for you. And we give you thanksgiving and glory tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We have been in these Psalms of Degrees most of the summer now, on and off. And we now come to Psalm 131. And Psalm 131, Psalm 133, and Psalm 134 have been called by some commentators the primary psalms. The reason being, these three psalms all have three verses. And they are also related to things we would associate with children. Psalm 131 talks about the weaning of a child. Psalm 133 talks about unity. And what are you always telling kids? If you, if you got more than one, you're telling like, you like my boys, quit fighting, put the ball back down, don't hit them with the iron, don't do that, you know. You have to tell them to get along, alright? Psalm 134 is about the nighttime. And there ain't a kid one that ain't scared of the dark sometime in his life. And so that's why they're associated. But you know what? I find as an adult sometimes we have a hard time getting along and sometimes we don't like the night seasons and sometimes we are like this child that needs to be weaned off of some things in our spiritual life now I want to look at this psalm and there is three verses that like I said it won't take me long tonight this psalm is written early in David's life this is a prayer of David because he says in verse number one Lord my heart is not haughty David is not writing this psalm David is not praying this prayer aloud in the temple as you were trying to boast himself. Have you ever been around somebody uh, that, were, that thought they were humble, but they were proud of their humility? Uh, I, I'm, my daddy tells a story about this in a meeting one night having a testimony service and a guy stood up and said preacher I just want to thank the Lord for my humility and I want to say that I'm proud that I'm not proud I would say that feller had some, had some issues, amen. And, and, and his issues were between his ears. But what I'm telling you tonight, David is not doing that. In fact, this is a private prayer that David is praying. And I want to, if I had a title for this psalm, I wrote this down, a private prayer that went public. A private prayer that went public. Here's why I say that. David is writing out his prayer to God. And he is talking to God on one-on-one, if you would. And God thought enough of this psalm. God thought enough of David's prayer to include it in the Hebrew hymn book. And the reason I believe this is the case is because there are some principles 
And there are some things in David's life in Psalm 131 that I believe would be good for you and I to have in our life. John Phillips surmises that this psalm is written early in David's life, most likely around 1 Samuel 18 and 19. You understand within that context, David had been anointed king in 1 Samuel 16. He kills the giant in 1 Samuel 17. Saul brings him in to his palace to live with him in 1 Samuel 18. David has got it going on. The people around are singing. Uh, Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his tens of thousands. But David is praying and keeping his heart right with God in the middle of success. Now I said this to you tonight. This past weekend for our church was a great success. God blessed and God moved. But may we not be lifted up in pride and think it's about us and think it's about our church and think it's about our ministry. God was gracious enough to allow us to be a channel that he worked through this past weekend. By the way, if anything ever gets done here, whether it's a big conference, whether it's a jubilee, or whether it's a Wednesday night service where God moves, it ain't a preacher that gets the glory. It's not anybody else that gets the glory but the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If Jesus ever ceases to be the preeminent, the preeminent and the prominent one in this church, we need to shut the doors and burn the building down. It's not about a preacher. It's not about you tonight, but it's all about Jesus Christ. And I believe this psalm, this private prayer that went public, there are three things that David has right that I believe God wants his people to see. Let me give them to you quickly. There's one in each verse, and we're done. Number one, David has the right position. And that is the position of humility in verse number one. David, I've already, I've already mentioned this, but let me hit it again. David's not bragging on himself. David is just being honest. Now, so as a preacher, I think that's a bold thing uh, to come before. God and said, Lord, you know my heart's not haughty. Well, here's my thing. I believe David's being sincere and honest because God would know if David was being dishonest or not. I'm reminded of what Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is sharp, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even the dividing of a son of the soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I don't believe David's putting on a show. I don't think David trying to uh, be lifted up in arrogance and say look at me I believe he's standing before God he's kneeling before God in prayer and he said God to the best of my abilities you know I am not holy I am not lifted up in pride psalmist said in Psalm 139 oh Lord thou search me thou know me thou knowest my downsetting and my uprising thou understand my thought of all for there is not a word in my tongue but lo oh Lord thou knowest it all together David wrote that psalm David said God you know everything about me there's not anything here later on in that song he'll say God I want you to search me though and try me we dealt with that the other week but here's the point I believe David is being sincere in his humility in verse number one we note the absence of pride Lord my heart is not haughty and I remind you again tonight God hates pride God hates it in fact, Proverbs 6, there's six things the Lord hates, a seven are abomination, and the first thing on the list is a proud look. The Bible teaches us in James chapter 4, verse number 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God, 
Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. That word resist means to put your arms up, and it means to put at arm's length and push away to resist. But if you look back at one verse in James 4, James 4 said that God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. So the word picture of the, how the believer ought to be against the devil as far as resisting him is the same word picture that God has towards somebody that's lifted up in pride. Amen. That's why we don't want to be lifted up in Eric's. We don't want to be lifted up in pride. I believe in giving honor to whom honors do. We honor those preachers this past weekend that's been faithful in the work of God. But I'm telling you, we've, we, we're bad in our old-fashioned churches of, of lifting up men. And I believe we ought to honor men, and we do that. But we're not going to plaster men's names on the side of building and make memorials to them. If, amen. If any name ought to be lifted up right here, I'll be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so there's the absence of pride. He said, Lord, my heart is not haughty. But then we note the attitude of his perception. He said, nor mine eyes lofty. Now, have you ever seen somebody with a lofty look? Let me illustrate. The head so, star, so far stuck up in the clouds, if it rained, they drown. Hello? They got that proud look. They just lofty and, and they just up there. Oh, I love to ruin people's days like that. <laughs> Amen. I'm just telling you, his David is not like that though. He's been, and if anybody had a reason to have that high look, David did. Man, he's 17 years old. He's had the oil poured on his head. He's the next king. He's just killed the giant that's been giving Israel trouble. He is the man. They're singing about him. But David is keeping his heart and his eyes right. He said, I don't want to be lifted up in pride. I want to keep my perception right. May I remind you, you're not better than anybody. We might be better off, but we're not better than anybody tonight. But for the grace of God, we'd all be in a mess. But for the grace of God, we'd all be in hell tonight. And we need to remember that there needs to be an absence of pride and the attitude of our perception. But then notice the activity that he practices. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. So I said, Preacher, what are you talking about there? David knows his place. David's been anointed king. But he ain't walking to that throne. David's not trying to remove Saul from the kingdom. David's defending Saul. David's fighting for Saul. But David knows his place. Do you know your place tonight? Amen. Do you know? Do you know your place? Do you know how, where you're supposed to? We're supposed to be in the body and in the church and in the home and in the family. Everybody's got a place of submission. Even the pastor does. Amen. Everybody has a place and a person and they submit to that authority. And we find that David, in this text, he's got the right position. He is full of humility. All about you tonight. But I don't want God to resist me. I don't want God to push me away because I'm lifted up in pride. Because I'm lifting up in arrogance. I'll be honest with you. And I'll tell our preachers, pride is something you have to fight every day. Every day. And it's not just preachers, but it's, it's, it's the laymen, it's the folks on the pew. But I'm going to tell you, the, the best thing and the worst thing you can say to a preacher is I appreciate the good preaching. I tell, I, I tell our guys, I try to remind myself, take the compliments and then forget them. Say thank you, God bless you, appreciate your kind words and forget what they said. 
because it ain't a, I know God uses us and I know, I know there are people uh, that we enjoy he, to hear preach and, and that really feeds us. But at the end of the day, we got to remember uh, that it is not them. We know God uses the vessel. I'm not saying don't encourage somebody saying, you know, God bless you. Thank you for preaching. Thank you for giving the word. I'm not speaking against that. But I'm talking about as preachers, we got to be quick to forget that. Because our ego will get up and, and we'll think it's all about us and God will let you fall flat on your face. Don't ask me how I know that. Amen. David has the right position, humility. Verse number two, David has the right passion. And it's him. Watch verse two. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. We note in this text the submission. He said, surely I have behaved. The word behave here, it means to agree. It means to become like. It means to resemble. David states in this text that he is conducting himself in a matter in a manner that pleases God. The reason I believe he writes this psalm around 1 Samuel 18 is because four times in 1 Samuel 18 it talks about David behaving himself wisely. David says and says, surely I have behaved myself. I have behaved. While others were not behaving. You know what's going on in 1 Samuel 18? Saul's full of jealousy. He's throwing javelins. He's trying to kill David. But David is doing right. I'm going to tell you one of the hardest things you'll do in the Christian life is doing right when nobody else is doing right. Doing right when people are not living right and they're not honoring God. I'll tell you what you have to do. You have to behave and honor God. I remember, it's hard to believe, but I've been here almost 10 years. I come in November uh, of, uh, of 2012 as interim pastor, and then the church voted me in in January of 13. It's hard to believe it's almost been 10 years. If I was Brother Dean, I'd say a decade. He likes to time out things by decades. That just sounds longer, I guess. Ten years, a decade, however you want to do it. Hard to believe it's been that long, but I remember uh, when, when they were putting me uh, before the pulpit committee, there was a, a, a local pastor in this area that, that sent word around uh, that the church had no business talking to a 21-year-old man, the pastor of this church, that they needed a seasoned man. Well, there was only one problem with that. My daddy found out about it. Amen. And, and somebody said, why do, you, why do you call Brother Davey a lot? I can't call Dad. Dad wants to kill people. <laughs> Amen. And, so, and I appreciate that. Everybody needs a hitman for Jesus. I get that. All right. But Brother Davey's like, all right, calm down. Put the gun down. Unload the gun. All right. Don't, don't go put the gasoline down. Don't go burn anybody's house down. He's had that common voice. But, but Daddy told him, he said, uh, he called him up and said, uh, since when do you know the will of God? And it bothered me a little bit. And I called a preacher. I said, man, that fella said I, I, I and, and I don't, well, see me after I'll tell you that. I don't care. But anyway, uh, and here's what this preacher told me. I, I was in LaGrange, Georgia, uh, preaching a meeting when I found out about it. And that preacher told me this. He said, Josh, here's what you do with that bird. He said, live 30 years for God and make him a liar. Amen. I think that's pretty good. And he's a moron and got more problems than what he knows what to do with. Amen. He ain't got no hope where he's at. But anyway, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you tonight, you just make liars out of those and you do right when nobody else is doing right and God will bless you for it. Amen. So we note the submission, but then we notice silence. He said, and I've quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. The word picture is that 
David has given us here in this text of a child that's been weaned by his mother from one diet to another diet. Now, let me say this tonight. Uh, we understand that mothers uh, take care of their children in different manners. And there ain't no wrong way and there ain't no right way because every child's different every mama's different, all right? And if they want your advice, they'll ask you for it. Hey, man, I'm going to tell you, that's what it is. You got to preach on stuff like that. We got a bunch of little kids in church. Everybody's, you know, they got it all figured out. You don't. You don't, all right? Hey, man, I don't either, all right? Every child's different. Some, some people, well, we're going we're gonna to nurse. That's fine. Some people are going to do formula. That's fine. Some people are going to get a goat milk. That's fine. I don't care. I don't care. I'd rather talk about football. That matters. Hey man, what do you give your kids goat milk or uh, powder like we do? I don't care, whatever. But here's the thing. He gives us that word picture. You think about the word picture here is of a little baby. His mom has been feeding him a certain way, whether she is nursing him or whether she is bottle feeding him or whether she's got a goat, whatever it is. And he is used to that. He likes that. He knows, and they learn at an early age. All they got to do is cry, them little devils. Amen. And then and you'll pick them up. They'll do whatever. That's just how they learn. They come from their mother's womb speaking lies. And he, they've got, he's got a little system he likes. One day he cries, and Mama picks him up. And instead of doing what she always does, she puts him in a high chair. And she gets this stuff out that under the, under the good Lord in heaven... We ought to feed people in Guantanamo that stuff. That is cruel and unusual punishment. That little stuff. I mean, nobody mixes turkey and potatoes and squash and eats it all at one time. But we're going to give it to Junior and Lulu. Somebody help me. And she and, and we get and we wonder why our kids can't talk. You, know, you, want, you, you want to eat the spoon? You want to eat the food? No wonder they can't talk. They're like, man, is that how you talk? And she gets that spoon out and she sticks that, that, that awful stuff in his mouth. You know what he does? He don't go, mmm, that's good. What's he do? If he's anything like Judah, Siler wouldn't even eat baby food. I mean, this goes all over the place. Why? He don't like that. What's mama doing? She's weaning him off of that milk. Why? Well, that milk's meeting his needs right now, but he's got to grow. And if he's going to grow, his diet's got to change. And, and, and some of you have had this happen. Your little one gets so upset and so mad. And you know you can't give in because if you give in, they're never going to grow. And some of y'all are going to think we're terrible for that. But that, that mama may have to do is put him in his crib and step out of the room. They ain't going to die. And she steps out of his sight. But he's not out of her sight. You know, he's screaming. He's, he is wanting that milk. But after a while, he goes from wanting milk and he quiets himself to he just wants mama to come back in there. That's the whole part of the weaning process. Here's the word picture. David said, uh, God's changing my diet a little bit here. I like what God's been doing, but now he's put me in a high chair and he's sticking things in my mouth that I don't like. And I've had to learn that he's trying to help me to grow. And I've got from wanting what he gives me that I just want him back in there. That's what a weaned soul is. That's the silence. But then there's the spirituality. My soul is even as a weaned child. If that child 
does not get off the bottle, it's not going to grow like it's supposed to. She, he or she's not going to develop. They're, they're not going to get stronger. It's going to affect every area. And that's why we got so many immature Christians, because they're still living on milk. When Paul said in Hebrews 5, you're supposed to be on meat. Hey, milk is good for newborn babes. He said, but after a while, you need to be on that skillful meat. You need to grow up and you need to eat a little bit more meat, amen. Hey, if you've been saved more than 10 years, I hope you're reading more than one chapter of the Bible a day. Amen. I hope you're growing a little bit in your, in your diet. And God might take things out of your life so you might grow. You know what? I, I said his position is right, his humility, but his passion is right because he just wants him. Many times we want what God gives us instead of wanting God. That's why I emphasize in our prayer list that we take the first few moments of our prayer time and we don't ask the Lord for anything, but we thank him for who he is and what he has already given us. And we got to realize that if he never gave us another blessing, he's still good and he's still God and he's still holy. So... Y'all, y'all with me on that? All the mamas mad at me now. I said to put them, put them in the crib, let them cry out. Hey, Amen. We done that with Judy the other night. Didn't even mean to. The camera froze. <laughs> she went back to sleep. Hey, Amen. I ain't gonna tell you what else Judy done this week. That's that was a bad. I thought Grace was gonna divorce me. Hey, Amen. But we made it through, and I don't have to go and join Greg Locke's ministry and, and all that kind of stuff. All right. So I'm good. Hey, Amen. Thankfully, she had mercy on me. All right. Hey, Amen. Here's the last thing. David has the right practice or right the right position humility he has the right passion him but he has the right persuasion in verse three and that's hope this is an embraced hope the word hope in our text means to wait and to expect somebody said preacher where do you see david having hope well he is encouraging israel to hope in the lord david is not going to tell israel to do something that he's not doing how effective would that be Y'all have heard me tell this before. I'm at 21 minutes, but I, I thought about it today when I was writing out this sermon. I remember it's probably been 18 years ago. I just started preaching. Uh, I've been preaching a couple of years at a time, and days were rock of ages, prison ministry, and part of things as a missionary, when you don't have a meeting, you often just drop in somewhere. We call them cold calls. You just, we've had them do that. We've not had them as much here, but we'll have them just come in uh, and just be in service. Whether it's not call, not book a meeting, just come be in service. And most time that lets the missionary meet the pastor and there might be a future, future meeting down the road. So this one in Wednesday nights. And we walk in there. You gotta understand where well, we lived at in Cleveland, Tennessee, uh, and, and that, in that, uh, North Georgia, East Tennessee area. Those preachers were so sensitive to the Lord. If a preacher walked in, they felt like God sent that preacher with a message. And so they would oftentimes give up the pulpit, let that man preach. That can be really good, and that can be really bad. <laughs> so we got there that night, and Daddy walks in, and he had met the pastor in passing before at another meeting, and that's how Daddy found out about the church. So we're standing there talking, and Daddy... Dave looks at this fellow, talks to the pastor, shakes his hand. They're standing in the forward, and there's another man standing up against the wall like this. They said, how are you, sir? I, I'm Alan Montgomery. He said, I don't care. I'm from Polk County. That's what he said. Dave's like, bless his heart. You know, <laughs> we walked in and sat down. Turns out, it's the Otis of the community. He's the town drunk. And it's him and his son-in-law, they're, it's a sad story, but the son-in-law's daughter, the granddaughter, got diagnosed with cancer that day. Well, they go to the bar and drink it up. Well, then they think, we ought to go to the church and pray. So they come to church. 
And so this particular church, they started off their Wednesday night service by everybody just getting the altar and they prayed first how they'd done it. And you'd stand around, you'd give your prayer requests how they'd done things. That can be good and that can be bad. Stood there all night before. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the, the drunk gets down there and, and the son-in-law, he is not as drunk as the old man is. And the old man walks up behind him and says, hey, the, he says, that's what you need to do, you need to repent. You need to quit drinking, get right with God. The drunk is telling the other drunk this. He said, you need to repent. Come to think, he said, come to think of it, that's what I need to do. <laughs> but I like drinking too much. You know what he's doing? He's giving good advice, but he wasn't living it. The rest of that story is a song leader got up that night and said, does anybody have a song? To which the drunk said, he does. And his son-in-law got up and sung Wreck on the Highway when whiskey and blood ran together, but I didn't hear nobody pray. Pastor leaned over to Dad and said, do you think you have a message tonight? Daddy said, no, but Josh does. Amen. That drunk started going back up the aisle. This has nothing to do with the mess, but the rest of the story. That drunk's going up the aisle, and he's, he's the town drunk. Everybody knows him. And he sees two ladies he went to school with, older ladies. And he calls her name and said, I ain't, quote, he said, I ain't seen you two heifers in a long time. How y'all doing? <laughs> Thank God that we live where we live, and we don't have to deal with some of that stuff. I said all that to say this. That man was telling that man the right. He needed to repent. He needed to quit drinking. But he wasn't living it. You know what we're doing? We're, we're about doing? We're bad about saying, yeah, trust the Lord. Hope in the Lord. Wait on God. God's good. But we're not even living it. It's an embraced hope, but, it's a, but then it's an exhorted hope. Let all Israel hope in the Lord. Here's the last thing. It's an eternal hope. He said, from henceforth and forever. David is saying, you can trust God today, and you can trust God tomorrow. Now, here's the whole point of this psalm tonight. David prays this psalm. I hope this has made sense. David's prayed this psalm. He's wrote it out before God, just him and God. He said, Lord, you know my heart. I'm not haughty. Lord, I know you're taking some things out of my life, and you're adding some things in my life. That's the purpose of growth, and I'm going to wait on you. I don't think David ever thought that end up in the Hebrew hymn book. But you know what? It's a blessing about our Bible. These things, Paul said, were written for our admonition. So God thinks enough of you and thinks enough of me that he'll take a private prayer between him and David and put it in his word to remind us to stay humble, to stay focused on him, and that we can put our hope in the Lord that he won't fail us. You realize that David gets anointed in 1 Samuel 16, but he don't take the throne of 2 Samuel 5. That's a long time. But you know what David exhibited? He waited on the Lord, and he hoped in the Lord. His desire became, became on God. He said, oh God, I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. May God help us to be focused on him tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I appreciate your attention. Hope, hope God may have spoke to your heart and given you a thought. And I've enjoyed these psalms with degrees. I hope you, amen, have. And I appreciate God's word tonight. Amen. We'll, we'll pray.